This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. David Pfeiffer is a young trainer who has made the most of limited opportunities to put himself on the radar in Sydney racing. He's 38, he's based at Warwick Farm, and he's been training in his own right for just over 10 years, most of that time with a small team in work. He's getting close to 300 winners now and has done a terrific job with horses like I Am Excited, Graceful Anna, Cradle Me and Gay's Choice, just to name a few. He's been in the Liverpool area all his life and veteran horsemen in the area clearly remember him as the paper boy around the streets of Warwick Farm almost 25 years ago. David's friendship with the late Tony Wildman eventually led him to a career in racing. The David Pfeiffer story is an inspiring one, and we're going to say hello to the man himself. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me, John. Well, let's go back to those early days, mate. Uh, newspapers were not the only things you sold around the streets of Warwick Farm. What else did you stock? Um, so, so, yeah, me um, pedalling my bike around the streets, um, um, started out just of a, of a Saturday and Sunday morning, and um, obviously you get the uh, the stable staff um, walking the horses, uh, beating the streets. Um, back then there wasn't really um, walking machines and whatnot, so mm. um, there wasn't much uh, accessibility to um, to um, uh, vending machines, so they can get drinks or, or, or food or whatnot. So um, yeah, so next minute my bike was stocked full of. Um, uh, cans of drink, package of chips, um, <laughs> snack bars, and so forth. Um, then it even ended up with the, the sportsman and the um, the best bets. <laughs> so, so yeah. I was like a um, a mobile news agency. It was a big W on wheels. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Dave, you got to know most of the trainers of the day. Who were the ones that made an impression on you? Can you go back to those days? Who were the trainers that uh, inspired you to some degree? Um, oh, I always seen a, a lot of trainers getting around. Um, um, I obviously come to be a bit of a, a face because I was doing that for a couple of years. Um, but uh, obviously, I had a um, good connection with Tony Wildman, uh, mm. Paul Cave, yep, um, even the, the likes of um, of uh, John Hawkes back then as well um, when he was at Warwick Farm. Yeah. Um, uh, young Clary and old Clary. Old Clary is still kicking back then. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, Quite a few. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was a few. There's probably too many names, to tell the truth. When you completed your education, you went to work for the late Tony Wildman. He must have told you previously, did he, that there'd be a job there when you wanted one? Uh, so when I was in uh, high school, um, I was working for um, – Tony after school, just uh, mucking out boxes of an Arvo and mm. I moved out of the area for, for a short time and um, once completed school, I've, I've sort of popped back in to say a visit and say hello and he said, uh, if you need a job, just come and see me. Mm. And um, I took the opportunity to um, oh, make an income and to like bridge doing what I was, I, I was going to do in life uh, at that stage and mm. like most Young people or young blokes at that stage of their uh, life are sort of unsure of what they're going to do and what path they want to take. Um, mm. 
So I, I use the opportunities to um, to make a living, make some make some dollars, and uh, um, it sort of um, sort of kept kept rolling on for a, a good few years. Mm. Well, Tony Wildman is remembered as a very astute and a very clever horse trainer. He loved nothing more than pulling off a little plunge, and he did it many times. How did he work his horses, David, as you recall? Was he easy on them, or did he give them plenty to do? Uh, it was reasonably easy on them. Um, he'd concentrate on, on their main gallops, um, and when he did, he wanted to make sure they are on the, the best surface possible. Uh, he was a very smart man in the sense of um, – he knew what they needed when they needed it, and and obviously was uh, cunning enough to, to work out uh, how to get the horse at its right price and have the horse ready for the right race. Yeah. Well, when you first started with him, he only had 12 to 15 horses in work, but a bit later on, two new clients came into the stable, John Singleton and Jerry Harvey, and Tony's team built up pretty quickly. Yeah, so there was a, a stage there where um, they um, both uh, sent a, a good amount of horses there, um, different styles of breeds, different styles of horses. Um, but, um, yeah, there's a, a couple of smart ones that walked in the place and, and I think that helped Tony build his team and, and probably put himself in more of a more of a spotlight in Sydney racing as well um, mm. with the likes of um, uh, Jingle Genius, uh, Disney Dollars, um, so forth. Um, yeah. Sally Magic. Sally Magic, yeah. So, um, and then I suppose that, that obviously um, opens opportunities up for um, uh, put himself in front of other people, new clients and whatnot, and um, yeah, uh, it helped him build his team, but probably more strengthen the depth of his team as well. Yep, Destroyer's Image was another one, David, that Singo and uh, Jerry Harvey put into the place, and he pulled off a pretty handsome plunge one day, I recall. Yeah, I think there was a couple with him, to the truth. Um, oh. uh, I remember there was, a, there was a few country trips with him. Um, yeah. Um, I think he won a – so I'm back a while now, but I think he may have won a Jungle Juice Cup. Mm. I think he won a Bong Bong Cup. Mm. Um, but um, I'm pretty sure there was a – memory, I think there was a pretty good bet pulled off one day at Newcastle. Um, mm. But he was a it was a, a, a very good horse. Um mm. Yeah, you know, one of them horses you wouldn't say is a you know, stakes class horse, but well placed in the right races, and but is a is an easy horse to maintain. I remember, mm. you know, um, oh, Tony would um, probably let him live on three quarter half a mile, and, and then when he's when the gallops come up, when he wanted him to have a gallop, um, yeah, that's when he'd he'd apply all the pressure to the staff, and he'd want. Um, He's won his horses uh, galloped at the right time of the day on the right surface and with the right riders and whatnot. And uh, mm. yeah, but um, I suppose that was the art of, of getting ready for the um, for the right race as well. Mm. You mentioned a filly there called Gentle Genius. I remember seeing her one day at the Wildman Stable. She was a very big filly, wasn't she? By Dane Hill, and she finished up running second in a Coolmore Group One with Bernadette Cooper in the saddle. Yeah, so General Genius is a very good horse. Um, it's probably <clears throat> probably one of the one of the better horses Tony trained. Um, I don't think we ever seen the best of her. Um, she was a, a lovely, big, strong Daniel mare, but um, yeah, come with a few uh, issues. Um, her knees weren't the greatest, so we probably never seen the best from her. I think she was probably best up 
over the the two thousand meter mark. Um, mm. I think she won a was it Tessio in Melbourne. I think it was. Yep. Um, and but yeah, as a as a career went further, um, kind of changed way, trained her, and um, kept her to um, oh, the distances around that fourteen, sixteen hundred meter mark. So he didn't have to be as hard on her, and so her knees could stand up and cope with racing. Mm. Well, she gave uh, Sunline a bit of a fright in the Coolmore. She did. She did. Uh, did indeed. At, at very big odds too. I remember. Mm. Um, back then, I wasn't a very big punter, and uh, I, I remember we didn't need to have much on to get a return. Mm. Well, Dave, you probably came of age as a future trainer when Tony started to send you into state with his horses, uh, which gave you more responsibility. You had to solve the little problems that came up day to day. Uh, and you seemed to blossom during that period. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> so when I started travelling in the state, obviously Tony couldn't be there and um, was always asking me the questions of, of how they've eaten, you know, are they drinking much water, mm. how their joints look, how are they settled, you know, how does their manure look and, and so forth. And mm. I suppose all those things are there in front of you. But until you're asked to actually look and identify them, um, mm. you, you understood why um, why you're looking at these things, and and then I suppose you, you start to put more focus into them because you knew they were they were more important. When you're back at home and mm. you're doing your, your normal everyday jobs, um, you probably weren't as focused on them. But but when you're sent in a state and you were, I was I was Tony's eyes and ears. Um, you, you soon understood why those things were important and mm. you know how they've travelled, how they've settled in. How they're eating, yeah. Are they hydrated? Mm. Yeah, and and then also too, um, you know, he, he was wanting me to get out and walk the tracks and, um, yeah, find the best possible place to gallop these horses, mm. yeah, for their for their um, for their important gallops. I remember a very very good filly you looked after interstates and in Sydney for Tony, by the name of Timberina. Uh, you saddled her up to win the Wakeful Stakes of two thousand and three. She ran a cracking third in the Victorian Oaks that year. And if memory serves me rightly, she ran in a derby here in Sydney and she might have run fourth in it, Dave. She ran a hell of a race. Yeah, so <clears throat> she won the wakeful on a wet track. Um, when we got to the Oaks, uh, the track had dried up and we probably knew our chances had dropped a bit. Um, but uh, it was a very good filly in that race, um, which we always knew was going to be hard to beat. Um, Name escapes me at the moment, um, but um, she was a very good filly. Um, she um, she went to race on in Melbourne uh, in Sydney. Um, she ran second in a Canterbury Guineas behind Nilo, mm. um, and then uh, then raced in the Derby, uh, run fourth behind Starcraft. So there's obviously some very good horses that she was racing amongst and, and behind, and uh, she was a very good filly. Um, we probably never got, never got to see a, a big long career from her either but uh, she was yeah. a good filly and she went on to um went on to breed well in the bread and barn too so which is um which is always good to see tony's sense of humor was well documented and he was a master of one-liners much like bart cummings and he did a television interview if memory serves me rightly before that derby won by starcraft and he he made a very funny comment uh, to the interviewer, which is still repeated from time to time. In fact, I've heard you use it. Yeah, I've, uh, I've never forget the day when I heard it. And they, um, I asked Tony what he thought um, StarCraft chances were in the derby. Obviously, yeah. we had a main chance with Tim Verena and 
Tony paused for a second and he just come out and said, he's been up longer than Arbor Bridge. He can't keep going. <laughs> Starcraft. <laughs> He's been and, up longer uh, than the Harbour Bridge, but he duly won that derby by the same token. Yes, yeah, we uh, we end up a little bit of egg in our face that day, but she um, was still credited with a good run. And um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, with his one liners, he was he was um, he was done better. I reckon he was um, a very funny man with those sort of things and mm. funny bloke at, at lunch. And I, I think he was uh, well liked by his client base as well to the degree of that. Um, uh, yeah, he was a, a real character and, yeah, and funny to be around. Tony's death at age 60 in 2008 was widely mourned by the racing industry and it obviously forced the closure of his training operation. Now, you weren't quite ready to set up yourself at that stage, so you went to work as a stable foreman for Graham Rogerson, who had a huge team in work at Randwick at the time. How long did that last? Um, just under a year, to the truth. Um, uh, at the time, Tony was uh, doing uh, uh, battling his cancer, and looked like he was he was um, he was coming good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was there for the year. There's about uh, about 120 in work. I uh, I managed the the main stable, which had uh, about 90 in it. Um, learned some tricks. Uh, probably more learned how to manage a big team of horses and a big team of staff. Mm. Uh, it took me probably a good month to get my head around it. Um, yeah, remembering all the names of the staff, then then remembering every horse. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, you soon soon get the hang of it. Um, yeah. So by the time I left, I, I knew every every horse, every ins and outs of everything. Um, any issues that need to be on top of. Um, so I think it sort of probably developed me in the sense of how to manage a, a bigger team. Mm. Uh, managed to sort of staff a bit better as well. When I was with Tony, we only had, had you know, half a dozen staff, so you're sort of mm. – you're probably more mates with them more, more than any. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when you've got uh, – I think it was 32 staff underneath me, um, you soon learn that you can't be friends with them all um, or they won't get, you won't get things done. The sale that has produced the likes of the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Estajab, Russian Revolution, Moss Fun, Pinot and Flying Artie in recent years has again attracted a stunning catalogue for 2019. The Australian Easter Yearling Sale catalogue is now available online and its depth and quality is again without peer in the Southern Hemisphere's Yearling Sale season. Among this year's spectacular Easter catalogue of 450 yearlings are 39 siblings to Group 1 winners like the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Sunlight, Lankan Rupee, Brazen Bow, Shulls, Faulkner, Star Spangled Banner, Catchy, Dundeal, I Victory, Lucky Bubbles, Shooting to Win, She Will Reign, Seamus Award and Pino. There is also the progeny of 34 Group 1 winning mares such as Hasna, River Dove, Pear Tart, Our Egyptian Rain, Rostova, Steps in Time, Brazilian Pulse, Provocative, Headway and Dizel. Super Stallion Schnitzel is the leading sire with 37 entries while the ill-fated Sebring has 33. Fastnet Rock 31, I Am Invincible 31, there are 25 Vancouver's, 22 by Reduce Choice, 
21 by Zoo Star, 19 by Medaglia Doro, 19 by Pride of Dubai, So You Think has 18 in the catalogue and they round out the top 10. There is, as always, a strong international flavour with yearlings by the likes of Deep Impact, Frankel, Lord Canaloa, Tappet and Harbinger also catalogued. The 2019 Inglis Easter Yearling Sale is just bursting with quality. Look for the catalogue online. Well, Dave, let's look at some of the nice horses you've trained over the last decade since you got going in your own right. Let's go back to Graceful Anna. You won six races with her. She won more than a million dollars. Where does she come from? Funny enough, she comes from the Breeze Up sales. Uh, Oliver Coleman purchased her when he was still training. Mm. Um, not long after he'd bought her, he um, got off the job to, to work for Patnac. Yeah. Um, at the time, he only had a small team and a young family, and I think he thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll make my life a bit easier and just look to get, get a, a good income. Um, he said he'd had most of the horse sold already, and he said, um, if you can sell the remaining shares of it, um, she's yours to train. Mm. And um, so I've got her over the stables, started poking away with her, give her a couple of jump outs, started to look like we had something to work with. Um, but she only sort of done what she had to, but I knew when we were heading to the trials that she'd um, she'd go real good in the trial. So I rung a few people up that were long-time clients of Tony's and um, sort of said, look, I know you uh, you don't you like to race horses just amongst yourself, but I've got a nice filly here and really be to help me out if you could um, take the remaining shares. Mm. So day before the trial, they've, um, they've agreed, paid up, and uh, she's come out and run second in a trial. Mm. Uh, give her another trial at Randwick. Uh, I think she won a trial that day. Went to the races, first start. Uh, she ran second in a pretty smart field. At Rose Hill? Yeah, at Rose Hill. Yeah. We give her a short let up. Um, so first up, I think she was just in a, in a maiden down at Kembler. I think it was Cup Day from memory. Mm. And um, I was very, very confident she'd win. Um, and she won well, but won by a very small margin. Mm. And I think she's the only filly that I think ever, as, a, as, as time went on, I learned that she only ever done what she had to do. Um, but winning that maiden, I was sort of going, oh, I thought we were going better than this. Mm. And then we went to a there's a class two at Gosford over over um, eleven hundred. Mm. Um, went there, we we're out of the market. I think we we're about seven or eight dollars. Uh, she won again, but won won with a bit more authority this day. A couple of weeks later, we're in at Wong, uh, three year old Magic Millions um, trophy. Trophy race, that's right. Mm, so it's yeah. the uh, like lead up to the Gold Coast. Yep, Peter Roble rode her that day. <laughs> yes, correct. Mm. And um, jumped, led, and kicked away at the top of the stroke. Nothing, give nothing else a chance. One by about two and a half. Mm. Broke the track record. Uh, still holds it to this day. Mm. And I think, I think Black Caviar out one that weekend, and she ran point two of a second slower than Black Caviar over twelve hundred. Mm. Uh, different tracks and different race styles and whatnot, but there's, there's those little things you remember, don't they? But um, <clears throat> so the next step was uh, we headed to Brisbane. Um, 
thought we'll try and take on the, the Gold Coast three row Magic Millions, 1400. Yeah. After running a track record over 1200 at Wild, uh, never been past 1200. It was a, it was a, a bit on the line when we went to Brisbane. Um, so we raced on Boxing Day in the Bow Rogue Plate. I spent uh, Christmas Day in a hotel room on my own that day. Yeah, that was a Group Three, the Vaux Rogue. <laughs> yep, and um, but it was all worth it. Um, so Blake Shinra out of that day because Peter Robles suspended. Um, give her a beautiful ride. Um, fought the finish out with a horse called Shootout. Mm. She was, uh, I think, well, was a Derby winner as well. I think, wasn't he? Yeah, she was. Um, and it was. We were sitting in the green and looked like we'd won by a neck. I think um, the the photo of you was that she won by about a very, very small margin. It wasn't as nose, but it was like a short half head or mm. something along those lines. And um, <clears throat> so she'd done that, went to the Gold Coast, grew 13, I think, from memory. Um, jumped, rolled forward, led again. Um, and funny enough, she was, you know, she'd won four in a row leading into this race and was still out of the market. Mm. I think she was eight, ten to one. And um, she really proved proved how much guts she had that day. They all come at her, but they couldn't get past her. Um, and I think there were some really good horses in behind her that day. I think Tallow, Love Conquers All, Shootout mm. was in behind her. Um, I think from memory, I think there's six eventual group one winners in behind her that day. Mm. And, um, yeah, so she... Really stamped herself as a as an honest, tough filly that day, and uh, it was obviously um, one of the biggest biggest uh, wins of my career. Yep, we're talking about Grace Falana, the mare that really got David Pfeiffer's career up and running. Then came Gay's Choice. She won seven races with her, four hundred and forty six thousand dollars. She won a Magic Millions quality. She won the Gay Waterhouse at Ipswich, a listed race, and she ran third in the Group One Tats Tiara. And Cradle Me was another terrific little mare, Dave. She won 11 altogether, 691,000. She won a Group 2. She won a couple of listed races. And on one occasion, you paid a late entry fee for one of the Magic Millions races, and everything went pear-shaped. Yeah, so they um, <clears throat> they um, done a big announcement through Magic Millions that they were going to boost all the prize money dramatically. Um any horse that wasn't um, paid up for the Magic Millions race series uh, had an opportunity to pay up the late entry fee uh, at a one-time opportunity. So we've um, discussed with the owners. Um, let's let's give her a crack, try and aim for that 1,300-metre fillers and mares race. Mm. Um, and it was going to be as um, – so she's going to be a seven-year-old at the time. Uh, so it was a little bit of a gamble there to a degree. Um, but, um, so we put in our preparation, mapped out our plan, First up, we uh, I think we we're in the razor sharp, and track was wet, big field, strong race. Um, got back, never really give it too much of a chance to the truth. I just thought it was just a you know stepping stone to lead up to what the target was. Um, come the outside uh, and, and flashed home and uh, uh, and won, paid seventy one dollars. Um, so it was a big win. Two weeks later, similar sort of race, another stakes race. And um, uh, same again, it was big odds. Um, come the outside, the road, the, the lane ended. He went back to the inside and got up along the fence and won. Um, so we're in great form. We've won two stakes races leading up to our um, our, our target race um, in great form, horse in good order. Mm. Travelled up to Queensland, uh, got off the float and got a 
got a serious bout of colic. Mm. Um, we battled with the ages to try and get a right, and um, uh, couldn't get a right, so we had to submit and pretty much um, give us some um, anti-inflammatories and, and some sedation just to calm it down. And uh, so we are forced to scratch it from that Magic Mews race, so that sort of ended on a sad note. Um, we tipped her out after that and gave her one last preparation, and uh, before she went through the sales ring, and um, right at the end of her career, she managed to, uh, to nail a, a Dane Ripper Stakes group to that Dane Ripper. Mm. So she was a, a great little mare, bonny little mare, and uh, you know, she was uh, at her best as a seven-year-old. She won three stakes races as a seven-year-old. David's been paying tribute to Cradle Me. Den Magic was an unlucky mare. She only won two races, but it should have been more. She ran second in a Hawkesbury Guineas, second in a Queensland Guineas, third in a Group 1 Mire at Flemington to I Am A Star, and she ran thirds and fourths everywhere in good races. She was an underrated mare, Den Magic, whose record should have been a lot more impressive than it looks on paper. Now, Dave, let's go to I Am Excited. A four-year-old mare by Schnitzel out of a General Nadim mare. Sixteen starts so far, five wins, seven placings, well over 600000 in prize money. Uh, she's just back as we speak. She ran third at Randwick, first up last Saturday week, and she looks to be on track. Yeah, she's come back in good order. Um, she's been a, a good mare for me. Um, you know, she, she never runs a bad race. Um, she's tough. She's honest. Um, we're on target this preparation. We'll head to the Winona Girl um, Saturday week um, and then uh, into the Galaxy. So um, it'll be good to give her an opportunity in a Group 1, um, especially in a, a Group 1 sprint. Yeah, she'll be plenty of speed in the race and um, she possesses a great turn of foot when she's um, given time to wound up. But um, she's been a great mare and, um, you know, she's won... Um, I think four stakes races for me. I think now, so mm-hmm. so she's been a she's been a great mare. Well, one of those stakes races was the Group Two Gill Guy at Flemington uh, Melbourne Cup Carnival last year when she sprouted wings and got up to beat a horse called Eduardo. You would have been watching Eduardo's first up run in the Oakley Plate the other day, very very closely. And what yeah, a run it so, was! What a run it was from the extreme outside barrier. So a handful of those horses that um, raced in the uh, Oakley Plate um, we raced against, mm. um, but, but we hadn't had much luck around Caulfield, so we sort of wiped off the Oakley Plate in our minds. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's always good seeing um, horses you've raced um, send their form stack up and yeah. race on competitively and, and go through their grades as well. So mm. um, it's always. Oh, it gives you that, that good feeling that you, you've got a you've got a nice horse and and um, you're putting them in the right races. David, you've got about thirty five in work, and you are ably assisted by your four person Susan O'Keefe, whom you've known since the Tony Wildman days. Yeah, so Sue's known me for a very long time. Uh, worked with me at Tony's for a while, and um, I was just obviously a bit of a lad back then, and uh, yeah, she's seen all the. All the little bits and pieces I used to get up to, um, <laughs> Fridays and Saturday nights and so forth. Um, but there, yeah, Sue's known me for a very, very long time. Um, she joined my stable about, about six, seven years ago, and um, she's been a very, very solid part of my business. Um, runs my stable. Um, you know, I, I say to my clients, I said, Sue's the, Sue's the boss. I'm just the trainer. 
<laughs> she's in uh, charge. Yeah. Yes, so she's she's in charge, and she tells me what to do sometimes. Um, but uh, no, she she runs a runs the place really well, and manages the team, manages the staff. Um, she's got a great eye for for, for um, horses and 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 noticing smaller details and whatnot. Um, but she also has a great love for the horses and animals as well. So yeah, she's she's a great asset to me. Well, your wife Elizabeth knows what a racehorse looks like. She once rode work for the famous English trainer, Sir Michael Stout, but she's way too busy with the kids, uh, Peyton, who's six, and Darby, who's two, to be worrying about the horses nowadays. Yeah, so um, those two are definitely keep her on her toes, um, <laughs> but she's, um, um, she's a great partner, a great mother. Um, she's always keeping the kids busy. Um, Peyton does... Um, Vaulting after school, the swimming lessons. Um, does a, a thing I'd never even heard of before called circus school. Mm. So, well, so she's kept busy and um, and Darby's um, you know doing daycare a couple times a week and keeps himself busy. Um, keeps himself uh, with band aids all over him. He's, he's a bit of a bit of a larrikin, you might say, jumping off tables and bouncing <laughs> off walls and whatnot. Um, but I suppose every every boy that age is the same, aren't they? Pretty normal. Yep, yep. So, but uh, great kids, great wife. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, Liz um, supports me. Um, I get in trouble a bit because I'm always uh, at the races or at work or whatnot. But um, I suppose they're the parts of um, being a horse trainer's wife, I guess. And I'm sure she understands that, having been in the thoroughbred industry herself uh, in her home country. Now, David, you've got a filly there that looks to have some sort of a future. Her name is Prophet's Thumb. Uh, she's already the winner of two races. Uh, she won very well at Gosford one day. Then she put in an ordinary one at Warwick Farm, but she discovered later she'd suffered an attack of cardiac arrhythmia. Uh, you had to give her a quiet period, and then she had a trial, and she resumed on Saturday at Rose Hill. And if you weren't pleased with that run on Saturday... You are very hard to please. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a rip and run. Um, Wasn't we it? Plan- we planned to try and um, try and get off the fence and get out that middle of the track, but um, uh, we got stuck behind a couple there uh, coming into the turn and um, just probably slide us up for uh, you know, three or four strides. Um, and she said, take, um, take that rails run, which at that time of the day probably wasn't the best part of the track. Um, mm. But I thought she was very, very good. Um, the run section was running home, um, and she was she was definitely charged at home. Um, and and I think she'll come come out of that run and improve again. Um, she had a bit of a blow after it, and I think um, there's big improvement there. Well, she ran third to a couple of smart ones in Baller and Spiritual Pursuit, who's been absolutely flying of late. And you were only a length from the winner. Yeah, so we head into the um, Fireball Stakes next start, which yep. is uh, a race that I'm excited about last year, and um, I'd be pretty confident um, we'll be a big improver and uh, we'll give a few of them a scare on the day. You know, the last thing a trainer wants to do uh, is be typecast. Uh, you know, the last thing we want to say is that you've had a phenomenal run with fillies and mares because you've won with plenty of geldings too. But you do seem to have a way with the girls. Yeah, so they said, um, even before I started training. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not so much anymore, though. Um, but um, 
No, look, I have um, Tony Wildman had a great affinity with the, the Phillies and Mayors, and I dare say that's where I adapted that from. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, uh, as you said, I don't want to be pigeonholed a Phillies and Mayors trainer, but um, yeah, all the all the good horses I've had have, have all been Phillies and Mayors, and um, where it's a good attribute to have, it's probably um, noticed by all the big studs. Um, you still want to be um, you still want to be performing with um, with uh, with both sides of um, both sides of sex. Yeah. Well, Dave, it's all ahead of you. You're only 38. You've got a great grounding with the old master, Tony Wildman, and you've already made your own mark as a trainer with close to 300 winners. Great to have a chat. Uh, I think you're going to have some pretty successful weeks ahead with the likes of I Am Excited and Prophet's Thumb. Uh, they'll certainly be well-trained and ready to fire on the day. Uh, well done, mate. Congratulations on all you've achieved, and it's been great to have you on the podcast. All right, John. Thanks for having me. I uh, really, really appreciate your time. The sale that has produced the likes of the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Estajab, Russian Revolution, Moss Fun, Pino, and Flying Artie in recent years has again attracted a stunning catalogue for 2019. The Australian Easter Yearling Sale catalogue is now available online and its depth and quality is again without peer in the Southern Hemisphere's Yearling Sales season. Among this year's spectacular Easter catalogue of 450 yearlings are 39 siblings to Group 1 winners like the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Sunlight, Lankan Rupee, Brazen Bow, Shulls, Faulkner, Star Spangled Banner, Catchy, Dundeal, I Victory, Lucky Bubbles, Shooting to Win, She Will Reign, Seamus Award and Pino. There is also the progeny of 34 Group 1 winning mares such as Hasna, River Dove, Pear Tart, Our Egyptian Rain, Rostova, Steps in Time, Brazilian Pulse, Provocative, Headway and Dizel. Super Stallion Schnitzel is the leading sire with 37 entries while the ill-fated Sebring has 33. Fastnet Rock 31, I Am Invincible 31, there are 25 Vancouver's, 22 by Reduce Choice, 21 by Zoo Star, 19 by Medagliadoro, 19 by Pride of Dubai, So You Think has 18 in the catalogue and they round out the top 10. There is, as always, a strong international flavour with yearlings by the likes of Deep Impact, Frankel, Lord Canaloa, Tappet and Harbinger also catalogued. The 2019 Inglis Easter Yearling Sale is just bursting with quality. Look for the catalogue online.